And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. As he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. Lord, as we come uh, to your word, to open it, to read it, to understand it, we pray that you would speak to each of us what it is that you would have from your word today, your word which is living and active. And Lord, we pray that we would receive you, Jesus, as the true prophet of the Lord, the true fulfillment and living and active and incarnate word. And it is in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, no matter how well or how poorly this sermon goes today, I don't think you're going to take me out back and throw me in the creek. So I think this is going to go better today than it went for Jesus when he went to his hometown to preach a sermon. Um, Expectations are everything. In our personal relationships and up to the boardrooms of corporate America, expectations shape how we experience others um, in our personal relationships. If someone has an expectation of us, whether they say it or not, and we don't meet that expectation, it can create some tension, some friction in our relationship. If a Fortune 500 company doesn't meet their quarterly projections, even if they were this close, in all likelihood their stock will take a dive because they did not meet those expectations. And I want to look at this gospel passage today through the lens of expectations because Jesus shows up in his hometown and there's some expectations of him. This is Joseph's son. There's a whole set of expectations. We've heard you've done some great stuff in Capernaum. Why don't you do that here? But wait a minute. We know you. You're just Joseph's kid. Can you really do that stuff? They don't have the right expectations. Jesus, in the beginning of this passage, which we didn't read today, he opened the scroll and he read a passage from Isaiah, which said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight of the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is what he says is fulfilled in their hearing. The year of the Lord's favor. When his hometown friends and family heard that phrase, they would have started to fill in the blanks for what that would mean for them. Those were their expectations. But Jesus comes as a prophet. 
and says, the favor of the Lord means so much more than you think it does. The bounds of it, the expanse of it are so much more. Part of how we have to understand Jesus in this passage is primarily as a prophet. The Lord has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. A few weeks ago, I spoke about Jesus' baptism as his anointing. When the Spirit descends upon him and he is anointed by God for his mission, we talked about the three anointed offices in the Old Testament of prophet, priest, and king, and that Jesus is the living, embodied fulfillment of Israel's true king, Israel's true prophet, and Israel's true priest. And here we see him acting primarily as a prophet. He's, an anointed, he's the anointed one, the prophet who, is, who has come to both enact and embody the word of God. That's what it means to be a prophet. So he says, the spirit is upon me, and I'm in your midst, and it's fulfilled. And the people say, wait a minute. Aren't you Joseph's kid? <laughs> They're a little bit skeptical. We know you. We saw you grow up. There's no way. So there's one layer of their response that's about skepticism. But on another level, maybe they think that this hometown boy can show them some preferential treatment. <laughs> They'd heard that he'd done some great stuff in Capernaum. We hear in this passage that it was his custom to go to synagogues and to preach. So maybe some murmurs and rumors have made it back up to Nazareth, and they're saying, let's see what you can do here, hometown boy. But it is often the job of the prophet to shatter our expectations. And what is it that Jesus says? He quotes two parables to them and calls himself a physician and a prophet. Physician, heal thyself. A prophet is without honor in his hometown. Think about what a physician does. A good physician is in the business of both diagnosis and cure. Often, the diagnosis part is very unpleasant. When we are told what is wrong with us, we don't necessarily like that. But a good physician will tell us that so that he can go in, Jesus as the good physician, to heal us. As a prophet, he is here to both declare and to enact the word of God. And if you're a professional sports team, you want home field advantage, but apparently there is no such thing as home field advantage for a prophet because a prophet is without honor in their hometown. Still, Jesus pushes on. He says the year of the Lord's favor is here, which means in this context, my mission is for everyone. It's not just for the people of my hometown. I'm more than Joseph's son. I'm more than just a hometown boy. And then this is where things get to really interesting and really irritating <laughs> to the people in the crowd. He starts to talk about Israel's prophets, Elijah and Elisha. He's just said, this is fulfilled in your hearing, and then he talks about Elijah. Oh, great, we know Elijah. Well, what did Elijah do? Well, there were a lot of Israeli widows but Elijah didn't help any of them. Elisha, yeah, there were a lot of lepers, but he didn't help any of them. He helped an invading general from the Syrian army. Jesus says, a foreign widow is fed by the prophets of Israel. An invading soldier is cleansed by the prophets of Israel. 
He's saying that the year of the Lord's favor is for everyone, not just for the people in my hometown, not just for the people in Israel, but for everyone, even widows from foreign nations, even generals from invading countries. The year of the Lord's favor is for all of them. I want us to look back at the passage from Jeremiah. Jeremiah, his prophecy is so interesting because we get more of him from his prophecy than we get from the other major prophets. We have more of a sense of Jeremiah's personality than the other prophets. And his personality is kind of emo. He's called the weeping prophet and is therefore my favorite prophet. But we have this call narrative of him being anointed, called by God. And I want us to focus on these last verses, verses 9 and 10. The Lord put his hand and touched my mouth. He put his word in Jeremiah's mouth. The prophet is the one who holds the word of God, embodies the word of God, enacts the word of God, declares the word of God. And listen to what he says. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, if you're a certain kind of person, that sounds like a pretty good job description. Okay, I'm going to be over people. I'm going to say stuff and stuff's going to happen. That sounds great. To pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow, build, and plant. That speaks to the power of the word of God declared in the world. That it can pluck up, that it can break down, that it can destroy, overthrow, build, and plant. To uproot our faulty expectations so that something new can be planted and grown in place. To tear down old structures so that new ones can be built. That's the call of the prophet. But Jeremiah's story doesn't end there. In Jeremiah chapter 20, and I encourage you to go read it, this is kind of where the weeping prophet idea comes from. Jeremiah is um, put into some stockades because people don't like what he has to say. Because the thing that God doesn't tell him at this moment, but that Jeremiah quickly learns, is no one will listen to you. (laughs) No one will respond positively to the message that you have. So Jeremiah, at a certain point in Jeremiah chapter 20, turns to God and says, you seduced me. Could you imagine saying that to God? I hope you can. Because that's one reason I love the Old Testament, is that depth of feeling and honesty. The prophets and the psalmists are not afraid to speak their minds to God. You've seduced me. They have a depth of feeling. And in that depth of feeling, they even experience doubt. But they take those very things to God. You have seduced me. He says it to God. But then he says, I have to speak. I have to speak the word of the Lord that you put in my mouth. Those words that are meant to uproot and to pluck and to tear down and to build up. I have to speak, and he says this beautiful phrase, it's like a fire in my bones. I have to speak it. So it's hard to be a prophet. That's the punchline. (laughs) Being a prophet is difficult. You can end up in a ditch. You can be misunderstood. You're friends and family might want to throw you off a cliff after you have something to say to them. When Jesus finished his sermon, 
they move quickly from, we're amazed by your gracious words, to where's the nearest cliff? Why don't you come with us? Why is it so hard to be a prophet? Because the true prophet speaks to the things of the heart. The word of God, remember, is a living and active word that divides bone from marrow. As, as the writer of the Hebrews says, it's a sword, it's a scalpel. Surgery, even if you need it, doesn't ever feel good. That's why they knock you out. You should not be awake for that. It hurts. Nobody likes it, even if you need it. When a, a scalpel comes to cut out something, especially the thing in the heart, it's difficult business. It's hard to be a prophet because the prophet speaks to the things of the heart. And the truth about me and the truth about you and the truth about all of us is that we do not relinquish the things of our heart very easily. One commentator, Mark Edwards, says this about these verses, that Jesus names the thoughts and intentions that barricade hearts from a proper understanding of God's saving grace. Jesus shows up in his hometown and he starts to name the thoughts and intentions that barricade hearts from a proper understanding of God's saving grace. They have a limited understanding of God's grace. God's favor is for us. It's not for the Gentiles. It's certainly not for invading armies. Have you met the Romans? Jesus, are you kidding me? God's favor is for us. It's not for them. And Jesus says, no, it is for them. And it's for you too, if you will let me remove the barricade in your heart. If you will let me get in there and do the surgery that is necessary to be the physician that I am to you. So the question for us is what stands is, what are the barricades in our own hearts? What is it that might need to be plucked up out of our hearts so that something new can be planted? What is it in our hearts that needs to be broken down, destroyed, overthrown, so that something new can be built up? Remember that Luke writes his gospel as a Gentile. It's pivotal for understanding what he's up to in his gospel. He is always pointing to the reality that God's mission is for the whole world. That Israel's Messiah, anointed one, Christ, is the world's Messiah and Christ, an anointed one. Luke knew that better than anyone. Luke was a physician. He understood these dynamics about diagnosis and cure. But he understands at a fundamental level that Israel's Messiah is the world's Savior. That the blessing of Israel is not just for Israel. All the way back to Abraham. What does God say to Abraham? I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the nations. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. So back to the question of expectations. When a prophet shows up, what is it that we think we know? (laughs) What is it that we think we already understand? And what happens to us when our own expectations are challenged? What happens to us when we are convinced that God is up to one thing and it turns out he was up to something completely different. And the question under those questions is, will we allow God to challenge us? Will we allow his word to diagnose us? Will we allow his spirit to cure us? Will we allow him to remove those barricades? Will we allow him to expand our horizons of what his favor means? That it's not just for us, but that it's for everyone. The year of the Lord's favor is here. It is now. It is fulfilled in your hearing now. 
This is not an either or. Jesus is not saying that the favor of the Lord is just either for Israel or for the nations. He's saying it's for everyone. But they just hear, well, God doesn't care about us. He cares about those Gentile widows. God doesn't care about us. He cares about those invading Syrians. No, God cares about all of them. And my mission is to declare that, is what Jesus is saying. Before something can be planted, you have to prepare the soil. That's what uprooting is about. Picking out weeds, picking out the dead. Plants so that you can plant new things. Before you build, you gotta do the dirt work. (laughs) You gotta get everything level. You gotta do the plumb lines. All this preparatory work has to happen before something can be built. And that's the work of the prophet. You may have read the Old Testament prophets before and experienced it kind of as a whiplash, that it goes from blessing to woe very quickly. But think of that dynamic as the uprooting and then the planting, the tearing down and then the building up. We have to get to the things of the heart in order for the real work to be done. And Jesus shows up as not just a prophet, but as the prophet. The fulfillment of the living and active word in their midst, embodying what God is and who he is like. In Luke's gospel, we have Simeon who told Mary when this kid was just eight years old, or eight days old, that he was a sign of contradiction. (laughs) That he was appointed, like Jeremiah, for the rising of falling of many in Israel. It sounds a lot like Jeremiah's job description. Jesus, by his very presence, is a prophetic word. Which is one reason that he says, today, this is fulfilled in your midst. Why? Because I am in your midst. I am the evidence that the year of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is a prophet, and he has to do his work in our own hearts as a physician to both diagnose and cure, as a prophet who uproots, who tears down, so that he might plant something new, build something new. And they try to kill him. But let's not judge them too hasty. Let's not just say it would have been different if we were there. Because human nature really doesn't change that much. And when those things in our hearts get confronted, there can be a fight or flight dynamic. It's very hard when we are confronted, when the mirror of truth is held up to us to acknowledge those barricades in our hearts. So let's not judge them too quickly. We can fall victim to the danger of overfamiliarity. Maybe Jesus for us has become the hometown boy. We just know who he is and we know what he's like and we have these expectations And he can't be anything other than what we expect him to be. But when our hearts are confronted, we can fall into the danger of projecting our expectations back onto God and then lashing out when they go unfulfilled. So will we allow Jesus, will we allow God to challenge our expectations of him, to expand our expectations to him, to reframe our expectations of him? Luke, in his gospel, has set the table for a great shaking. That's Mary's song, the Magnificat. She sings of these great reversals. It's not a painless process. 
and especially the work of the heart. If, if you've dealt with your heart, you know it's not a painless process. That's where all the business is going down, <laughs> whether we're aware of it or not. The same commentator, Mark Edwards, says this, and I, was, I said this can't be true, and then I thought, yeah, it's right. He says the greatest danger to the way of God in the world is posed by those who are closest to it. The greatest danger of the way of God in the world is posed by those who are closest to it. Spoiler alert, that's us. <laughs> we have a set of expectations. We think we know what God is like, what he can and can't do, what he will and won't do, how he wor will work, how he won't work. But maybe we don't have the right expectations at all. So that's, that's the first sort of landing point that I want to leave with you is will you allow God to reshape your expectations? Will you allow him to remove the barricades in your heart? That's step one. But step two is to seek to live in this prophetic way. For us to be an enacted and embodied manifestation of the word of God in the world. There's a book uh, by the New Testament scholar, Luke Timothy Johnson. The title is great, Prophetic Jesus, Prophetic Church. The whole thesis is right there in the title, that a prophetic Jesus calls us to be a prophetic church. And his argument in the book is that Luke is the author of this gospel and Acts has these parallel ideas running and that Jesus shows us what it's like in Luke and then his apostles go and do it in Acts. They go and embody his word, they go and enact his word, they go and declare and live the favor of the Lord to the world. So those are the two realities I think that are before us right now, is that Jesus comes to us as a prophet. He stands in our midst because we have his word now and he says to us, this is fulfilled in your hearing today. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, fulfilled in our midst, will we respond? Will we say yes, even if it hurts? Even if there are things in our own hearts that we're not proud of, that we don't wanna face, barricades that we are terrified of taking down, will we simply say, yes, Jesus, you are the great physician. Do that work in me, bring your cure. That's step one, but step two is by the same spirit that he was anointed by that fills us as his body, we are called to be the prophetic church, to go and live and act in the way that he lived and acted, to do what he did in the way that he did it which is something that Dave says that I appreciate, is that we can't just do what Jesus did. We have to do it how he did it. To go and embody his presence in the world. And we can only do that by the power of his spirit. And we can only do that if we first will allow him, and it's an ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing where we say, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in here? What are the barricades? What are the things that need to be plucked up? What are the things that need to be torn down? Or maybe you've already had the plucking up and the tearing down and you're waiting for the planting in the building. <laughs> we can be at different points in this process and that's okay. I would expect in a room like this that a lot of us are at very different places in that process and that's great because that's what we're for, to help each other walk through that, to help us 
discern where we actually are. Like, hey, am I in a season where God's trying to pluck some things out? Am I in a season where God is actually wanting to plant some new things in my heart? Am I in a season where God is trying to expand my expectations of who he is and what he's like? So it's tough to be a prophet. It's a tough job description. But if we have the word of God, and we do, then we have to be like Jeremiah and say, I have a fire in my bones. I have to speak it because it is what is true. It is what is good. It is what is beautiful. It is what has hope for people in the world. It is good news. It is the year of the Lord's favor. And my prayer for myself and for all of us is that we could live as a community, a community that declares and enacts and lives out the reality of the favor of the Lord, that his blessing and love and grace has come and broken into the world, and that he's entrusted us with it to go and speak it to others. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you even when it is hard, when we don't like the diagnosis. But help us to trust you that you don't just come to condemn, but you come with conviction, with the intention to root out those things in our hearts so that you might plant new things. I pray that in each of us you would plant new things, and I pray in this community you would plant new things. And I pray that we could be a community that embodies and enacts the prophetic word of the Lord. And we ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.